Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Jenny. And this is Have You Heard Of. It's the podcast where us two best friends finally hold each other accountable for all those pop culture recommendations we keep giving each other. Yes. And this week it is my turn and I will be introducing is a hard word to say. I will be getting Emma to finally watch Grease. It's a movie. Filling huge holes in what I think is otherwise a pretty vast pop culture part of my brain. I agree. This is going to be very similar to the Ferris Bueller episode when, yes, she has heard of it. Obviously, people listening to this probably have also heard of it. I would love to meet someone who hadn't heard of Grease. I mean, there's got to be people. I know. I just don't know what their lives are like. They're babies. They're just born. They don't know yet. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, obviously, I'd heard of Grease, if only because I think every high school musical theater department has ever, ever existed that has done Grease. Actually, my high school theater department did not do Grease, but the other high school did on, like, a three- to four-year rotation. So, I've seen Grease. I've seen Grease live, but I've never seen Grease in 1978. Yes. But before we get into that, Emma, do you want to share something? Yes. So, we're doing a spotlight swap, and I... I had so much trouble not telling Jenny about this earlier because it was so good. I watched the documentary Howard on Disney+. Plus. Have you heard of this? <gasps> yes, I have watched have you seen it? it. It's so I good. Have. Okay, so it is a documentary about Howard Ashman, who was the lyricist for uh, Broadway musical, not Broadway, off Broadway musicals like Little Shop of Horrors, and also yes. was the lyricist with Alan Menken for The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin. Uh, before yes. he very unfortunately died at the age of 39. And this movie does, this documentary does a really good job of, like, contextualizing his life with what he wrote about. And I liked the, because he, he died during the AIDS crisis, and his husband accepted his Oscar for Beauty on the Beast on his behalf and was very clear, like, about why his, like, we, like Howard Ashman mm-hmm. is the first Oscar winner we've lost to AIDS and had the red ribbon. Um, so I really like them looking at his lyrics in the context of what he was going through at that point in his life. And, but yeah. I also appreciated that they were like, we don't know if he was making this personal. It's just really interesting to look at how the themes of Little Mermaid and Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast of like being afraid of what people think of you, of not feeling like you fit in, of wanting to be part of yeah. something bigger than yourself applied to Alan, Alan and uh, to Howard Ashman's life. Um, I straight so up was good. going it's to so bring this as, like, a thing to make you watch, and then I, like, was like, oh, no, it's fine, and then I'm so glad you just watched it anyway. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to watch it for a while, and then I um, brought it up at work and had a really strange moment at work where no one, none of my immediate coworkers had heard of Howard Ashman, and they were oh. like, oh, yeah, it's really nice to hear that there's documentaries about lesser-known figures in animation, and I was like... Okay, I understand not everybody knowing who Howard Ashman is, but, like, we work in animation. We should know who Howard Ashman is. Yes! Um, He's huge. Which I guess is, like, I, it's not a slight to my coworkers. Like, I'm really excited that I recommended this documentary, and I know they all have mm-hmm. Disney+. Plus. So I was like, please go watch this. It's a really good documentary. It also made me very emotional, because I really love Jerry Orbach, who voices Lumiere in Beauty and the Beast and had a great mm. musical theater career um, and a great TV career, and Angela Lansbury. Like, those yes. two actors who were huge parts of my childhood, so it was, like, really emotional to watch them and Howard Ashman, like, at the recordings for Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. I was like, I want to be part of that friend group. <laughs> um, my solid is Howard, Howard and Howard Ashman's work. Um, I've never seen Little Shop. I actually didn't know that he had written Little Shop of Horrors, so that's one I gotta check out next. Mm. Yeah, so I'm so good. glad you watched it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It was really uh, good. It's always fascinating to see, like, behind the scenes and stuff of 
musicians and artists working on like musical theater and animation and that's one thing i really like about disney plus is that there's been a lot of documentaries that have been released and like not like new documentaries like older documentaries that are just hard to find unless you like own the dvd of it Mm -hmm, and available to stream yes exactly there's i forget what it's called but there's like the documentary of the two best friends who like still live beside each other i don't know what whenever it was filmed they were part of the disney animators like See, i don't know they... anything about this this is really cool oh it's so fascinating i just love behind the scenes stuff and yes i highly recommend that um oh, yeah and there's a, there's a scene in it that i think it's it's footage i had actually seen earlier during one of the anniversary i think the 25th anniversary celebration of little mermaid of Howard Ashman directing Jodie Benson while singing Part of Your World and just helping her find Ariel's voice. And mm. it was so fascinating to watch her go through these different versions of this now iconic song that for a while they were very tempted to cut from the movie because they yeah. thought it slowed things down. And so it's so exciting to see Howard Ashman have a very clear vision of how he wants it to sound and helping Jodie Benson find it. Yeah, and being like, we need to have that I want song. That is exactly. like Exactly. He understood essential. like. Like, it's, it's, I think, so ingrained in what people think of Disney movies now, but, like, Disney at the time was really struggling, and The Little Mermaid was the first part of the Disney Renaissance, and so he, he yes. really, by bringing his musical theater background into it, he set the stage for what Disney is today. 100%. Little Mermaid saved Disney animation. For real. But if we're talking about musical theater... Let's talking about Grease. musical theater, Grease, yes! So, Grease, um was originally a musical before it was a movie. It was based off of the 1971 musical Grease. And actually, a lot of the actors in the movie actually were in the production of Grease on stage in some form. So um, the person who played Jan, actually, she's the only one in the cast that reprised her role of Jan from Broadway onto the screen, which is really exciting. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah. And John Travolta played, I believe it was, he didn't play Knicky. I think he played Duty on um, <laughs> screen, no, not on stage for like a very, on stage for a very long time. So he was used to that. Um, and Grease's has a very special part of my life as it was, I was in Greece in high school and very exciting. It was when I, um, grade 10, so it was first year of high school and I was so heartbroken I didn't get Sandy. But it was okay. It is the great nature of, we've talked about this before personally, of like the high school theater departments for, I'm sorry, I know I'm an adult, I know I shouldn't care anymore, but I still really disagree with, like, I think every high school, like, there's just, the casting is always wrong. I, like, the person who played Sandy, like, she was a nice person, but she, like, couldn't sing very well. I don't know why they picked her. Anywho. 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 Um, I played Jan, though, <laughs> and it was actually really great, fun. To great acclaim. Thank you, thank you. And um, super fun, except for, like, horrible stories that in the beginning, like, we had, like, trays of food um, for, like, the lunch scene, and they never switched out the food oh. for, like, the week that we did the run. Was it, it was real horrible. food? It was real food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's we got gross. it from, like, A&W, and it was just, like, cold and getting moldy, and... That's man, bad. A&W's not the arts. <laughs> yeah. Um... But yeah, so in case, in case people didn't know about Greece or like the premise of the movie of Greece, um, it is about two main characters, which is um, Danny and Sandy. Danny is a um, greaser who um, is they they're 
a, a group. They're a gang, the Greasers. Um, they're not like a. They're, they're like a. They're just like a group of friends that have decided to name themselves. I don't think that. I don't That's even know true. if they fully qualify as a gang. I guess it's <laughs> just like true. a pack of hoodlums, a pack of you, <laughs> a pack of hoodlums. Um, and so, and then Sandy is coming to Rydell High, and she originally um, was from. Australia, and she met Danny during the summer, and they fell in love, and it was great. She was supposed to go back, and then she actually ended up staying, and then she goes to the same high school. And this movie is just, I describe it as Reputation, the movie. Not Taylor Swift Reputation, but just Reputation. (laughs) Reputation, the movie of, like, one's reputation and what that means and how it can evolve and the importance of reputation, but also the importance of questioning that. And... Yes, Emma, you look like you're about to say something. <laughs> I was going to say, okay, so we're talking about the reputation of Greece. I end, I pulled a U. I ended up watching this movie twice in advance of recording because mm. the first time I was like, I know Greece. I've seen community theater productions. I've seen yes. the Aaron Tveit and Julianne Huff stacked cast live version. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, okay, yeah, I'll watch this. And so I watched it all, and then I realized I was still like, for the sake of what, what what I wanted us to talk about today, I was really still only looking at Greece, whereas I do want to focus in more on, like, the movie version of Greece and what I really like about John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John mm. and Soccer Channing's performances. Um, yes. But also then it got me thinking about how I remember going to see this when I was in high school, and I was like, I don't remember what grade it was, but I was just, like, a teenager, and I was like, did you actually know that Greece has a really bad message because it's telling you that women should change for men? And I was so obnoxious about, like, Greece <laughs> is bad, actually. Mm. And I watched it again, and I was like, Greece isn't that... It's funny, there, I was... I was on an entertainment news site this morning, as I am wont to do, and there was a headline from Olivia Newton-John today where she was like, people keep getting angry at me online about Greece, and I'm like, it's a movie from the 70s about the 50s, can we please, I'm paraphrasing, I don't think she said this, can we please just chill out about Greece? And I was like, Greece also isn't as bad as you think it is. Like, I think there is a lot of, a lot Mm. of media we watch when we're younger and we go back to and we're like, oh, this is aged poorly, but Greece has come out on the other side where it is never as bad as I think it's gonna be. I, I actually agree. really like it. Like I watched it Yay! again today, and I was like, I'm so happy I watched it the second time. I really like Danny and Sandy. Danny's right? so dumb. Yes. I love I think him. There's been so much criticism about, again, like her changing at the end of the film, and what people don't realize is that this is an an arc for Sandra D. Like this is her. Okay, like, this is the other thing. Her name's not Sand. Her name's not Sandra D. Oh, Sandy. Her, her Sandy name D. is well. Her name is Sandy Olson. I thought for a long time that she was Sandra D, but Sandra D. The song confused me. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And um, again, it confuses me all the time. Um, but it, it's her. Like, it's not about changing who you are for someone. It's about showing you are not just the label that people assume you to be. Sandy Olson wants to have a hot girl summer, and I don't blame her for it. well exactly like there's the reprise right before her change and i'll just read like what it says it's like look at me there has to be something more than what they see wholesome and pure so oh so scared and unsure a poor man sandra d sandy you must start anew don't you know what you must do hold your head high take a deep breath and sigh goodbye to sandra d and i think like the whole part of her being like i'm so so scared and unsure like these are things that people are perceived her as it's not saying this is what he sees me at because 
they fell in love during the summer and the uh, prologue they are yes the prologue for this movie is so great i actually really like sandy and danny as a couple and like if we're talking about the end which everyone knows greece we may as well just talk about the end but yeah like it's fun because he also changes for her and then ends up going back to his original stuff but he also changes for her and he's so nervous about it because he's worried that she's not gonna like it and he's worried to tell his friends about it so when he shows up in his letterman sweater at the end i'm very proud of danny zuko also because danny zuko of the t-birds is the only one that that graduates because they all flunk jim Mm, and have to go back to summer school and meanwhile he actually lettered and so i'm like danny's the only one who graduated danny did a really good job you guys i'm very proud of him and also um you're like you said so in the reprise sandy's like i want to try something new i don't want to be which is what they expect but also throughout the whole movie like from the very beginning danny is the one who's always posturing and lying and being really awkward and she's just like no this is what yeah. happened. This is how we met. This is his name. Um, yeah, I'm kind of boring. Yeah, I don't drink, but I did have a glass of champagne at my cousin's wedding one time. Like, she just never has any reason to lie. She's always yes. very confident about herself and then realizes she wants to change, and she just does it. Like, God, I want that energy. <laughs> right? Like, it's about self-discovery, about confidence, about rebirth. Like, it is... <laughs> she is like a phoenix from the ashes. Right? Okay. <laughs> They're like... When, before the transformation, when it's, like, Danny and his whole, like, greaser mode, and then there's Sandy in her, like, elegant, like, 50s attire, they remind me, okay, I'm such a nerd, they remind me so much of wood ducks. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, like, the male... That is not what I expected you to say. What? <laughs> so, the males... Have you... Do you know what wood ducks look like? I, uh... I, you've <laughs> probably shown me a picture of wood ducks. I've seen ducks. They're, mul- they're like, the- so the males are like that bright, like they have like bright green and red and like brown okay, like yeah, spots like the, on them. Okay, yeah, the men are very showy. They gotta attract yes, the ladies. And like the they gotta ring them back in. T- yeah, they're like the slicked back hair. And then the women are like more like brown and neutral colors, but they still have like the slicked back and like the beautiful like ringed around their eyes so that their eyes pop up. So I find them beautiful. And this like, they're a dynamic. I was like watching this. So I was like, oh my God, they're wood ducks. They're- That's my favorite type of duck. Just so people are aware, I love wood ducks. They're good ducks. <laughs> so, they're good ducks. They're good ducks. Um, yeah, and I, you, you talked about like you liked their dynamic, and actually, before Olivia Newton-John decided to take on the role, she requested that she would do a screen like um, test with John Travolta to make sure that they had like the chemistry and that it'll work out because she she was mainly a like pop country star, and mm. she has done, like, a couple of things on the screen. I think, like, two other acting roles. But she was mainly a singer. And, like, I believe she, like, won Grammys already. Yeah, she she's was a, a Grammy-winning... huge, like, successful artist. She was on two episodes of Glee also. But that's probably not oh. her greatest credit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say no. Um, it was season and... one Glee, so, like, yes, it's a little better. That's, that's true. Um, so she didn't want to ruin, like, her reputation and, like, make it, like, not go great. So she did the screen... Um, test with him and it worked out really well and I agree that their chemistry is super good on this film like watching them like you could tell how much the characters love each other and like even in the scene when they are first at the bonfire and they're reunited and oh it makes like, me so I'm so bummed for Danny <laughs> like obviously I know 
He looks so happy. He's like, oh my he's god, so Sid, excited he's to like, see her. Like, I, I just took notes. I like, I definitely took notes for this. Where I'm just like, why is his face so excited? I know. Um, I got a surprise for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sandy. Teddy, what are you, what are you doing here? I, I thought you were going back to Australia. We had a change of plans. Okay. Well, that's cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is. Rockin' and rollin' and whatnot. Danny? <laughs> that's my name. Don't wear it out. What's the matter with you? And he's so excited to see her. And, and then Sandy immediately is like, oh, you're gonna be an asshole about this? Okay, bye. And he's just like, oh no, I've made a huge mistake. Also, like, and Rizzo knew that that was gonna happen. I know. And she was like, hmm. I'm like, oh, oh. I have such mixed em emotions about Rizzo. I have a theory about um, Rizzo. Oh, what's your theory? I think that, I don't think this, but I think that it could be that Betty by Taylor Swift could totally be about Rizzo. Oh. Because her, her name is Betty, and Rizzo's her last name. Yes. But also, I just think that would be neat. <laughs> also, I did, okay, so I went on Archive of Our Own to scope out Grease fandom. No surprise, yeah. Grease is a huge popular AU setup, so there's a lot of things that are tagged yes. inspired by Grease, mm. but in, like, the actual Grease tag, um, there's a lot of Sandy Rizzo fic. Oh. Actually, yesterday, I married him to look at it, yesterday morning, someone posted a 20k Sandy Rizzo fic, and I was like... I mean, with okay. the dynamic of Grease, like, if it was a story... Like about lesbians, it could definitely have been that. Like, I know. There's the also same dynamic with Danny Kinnicky fic, which is also of obvious. <laughs> also, okay. I know we're like all over the place with this episode, but I don't care. So, Danny and Kinnicky's relationship. It we talked so briefly great. about that before we recorded, but oh my god. Like, they're like, bros. They're such good bros. It is truly, I think, just romantic. But also romantic in a friend way, because I think friend romances are very important too of like being able to like care very deeply yes. about people in your life on a friend level. So yeah. when they're getting ready for their drag races and Kaniki very stumblingly asks Danny to be his second, it's very moving. And I was like, I have to give props to this 30-year-old playing a 17-year-old for actually being very articulate about his emotions because he's like, they don't talk about feelings and he's like, we saw no. this thing. I care about you. You're my best friend. Will you do this thing for me? And Danny's like, yeah, it's it's very good. It's very <sighs> sweet. And like, the dynamic of the T-Birds is quite interesting because you have like Kaniki and Danny and then you have the three other, you have I know, um, I only Sunny know and Putz, which... Yeah, I don't know which one is which, except for I know Sunny is Sunny, because I was like, this is the most, like, they, uh, this is the running, like, commentary I feel like I, I knew the most about Grease the movie going in, is that they all are old as hell. Yeah, they're all, like, when they filmed this, they were all late 20s or early 30s. Yeah, so the actor who plays Sunny was 31, and I only know who he, he was Sunny, because I had to look him up, because I was like, that's a man, that's a grown man. <laughs> And I like it because then they cast, like, the teachers as, like, super old. I know, because, like, but I was also to. like, these look like your peers. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Oh, yeah, I... It's always weird seeing films, like, older films, when, like, their casting is just so off. Like, not off, but, like, the age just doesn't make any sense. And we still have that in 
film today. Like, I, there's no one who plays, like, high school kids who are in high school usually. I know. I just finished watching Teenage Bounty Hunters, and the two lead actresses who are playing 16 are both 25. <laughs> yeah. And, like, also just talking about, like, the theme and, like, being in high school, this film we said in the beginning is from 1978, but is based in 1958. So it's based, like, two... 20 years beforehand but that always confuses me anytime there's an old film that is based in an older time i think it is based in that older time so when i realized that this film was from 1978 in my head i was like no that's a year after my mom graduated high school there's no way this movie came out after my mom graduated high school like this movie is from the 50s but it's not so it, i like i wonder like later on when i see any film um that comes out today and it's filmed later on but not like later on as in like Victorian era, like obviously that didn't happen right now. But things that are based in like the nineties or the eighties, okay. I'm gonna watch I was it thinking be like, about oh, this no. because mm. I had done the math, but then you, as you said, like this is actually so the movie came out in seventy eight, seventy nine, uh, seventy eight, and is based on a musical from seventy one. Yes, so that would be the equivalent of a mu- of a musical coming out today that is Greece set in two thousand nine. That's the time difference we're working with. The two thousand the the odds are a confusing time in general. Like they don't exist. Two thousand nine <laughs> was the equivalent of Greece to when Greece the musical came out. Oh my god. Oh god, that's so weird. What am I supposed <sighs> to do with this information? I I I do really love the costume design in this film and like um the big skirts and like the the different like the letterman jackets or like the pink ladies jackets i remember when i was in the musical we got pink lady shirts and it was like the best thing ever and we felt so cool um and again like the musicals very similar to the movie but there are some like big differences um like the musical the regular musical is actually a lot more like raunchy and it's probably much racier Yes, and but again, when I was in high school, it was the G version of it. Classic. Like, because if you listen to some of the lyrics, like "Grease Lightning," like yeah. you can't say those words. I was like, you oh, can't say that. I know. Also, "Grease Lightning" is supposed you... to be sung by Kaniki. Oh, and they changed it in the movie to be um, Danny. But so, like in all of the production stuff, it is supposed to be Kaniki because <laughs> it's his car. I know, and um. I was gonna say, oh, now I'm wondering if we, my high school never did it because the public high school did it, or if it was because we were the Catholic high school. <laughs> Probably <laughs> that. We never did it. I mean, like, <laughs> they got rid of some plots, like, the plot with, like, Rizzo being pregnant, they, like, changed that plot in there, and, like, even though then you ruined the best, one of the best lines when it's like, I feel like a broken typewriter. What? <laughs> I missed I, a period. <laughs> I know. Okay, that, I love how angry Rizzo is in that scene, because I feel like she, in that moment, she's not so much angry that she's pregnant, or not pregnant, as that ends up being. I think she's more mad that they just didn't get her joke, and she's like, that's actually a really clever line. I practiced that in the mirror before I said it. <laughs> yeah, she's just mad exactly. they didn't get it. This movie has such good, like, lines, like, friggin' A is from it. And the reason why that came from is because they couldn't say the F word in the movie. So they changed it to friggin' A, which is only in the movie version. And what? it's so great. Yeah. And then also, like, the Cruisin' for a Bruisin' is so great, which then inspired the Cruisin' for a Bruisin' song in um, Teen Beach Movie 1. Oh, my God. I gotta rewatch Teen Beach Movie. And I need to watch Teen Beach Movie 2. Yes. I love the Teen Yes, Beaches. yes, 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 yes. 
Uh, anyway, going quickly back to the difference between the movie and the musical. Um, for me, as someone who played Jan, they got rid of Jan's song, which I'm kind of upset about, but I understand why they got rid of it. They got rid of the song Mooning. When it's um, her and Roger, who is not even in the show. I was like, I, think I they, don't know who Roger is. Putsy, I think they changed, they gave him that name and he was a substitute for Roger. Don't know why they actually took it out. Anywho, the whole song is about how Jan and Roger fall in love because Roger is really good at mooning people. <laughs> they start singing, I spend my days just mooning over you. And then Jan comes in like, all over who? Ooh, and it's just so fun. That's so cute. <laughs> I really like So like there I know they don't really have a subplot in the movie at all, but I did notice that at one point Jan ends up with a greaser and I was like, that's nice. I also don't understand when they're like, oh, you're more than just fat. Like, she's the same size she's as all the so other girls. She's so skinny. I was like, what <laughs> is happening here? Like, I don't understand. She's not at all. It's really weird. No. It's just, it's, it's very weird strange. plot, especially because I was the actor- the actress who played Jan and the Broadway musical of it. So she was like the original cast of it too. So I don't She's understand. She's not big at all. No. She's not like, this is the thing is that she's not even like not Hollywood skinny. She's like, it's like, she's not like, like she's not even a size eight. Like what is happening? No, there? like she has like a different face shape, but that's it. Mm-hmm. That is completely it. I don't understand. Um, but another thing they changed with the movie is that, um, Sandy goes to the dance. In the musical, she doesn't. So in the musical, there's a song called It's Raining on Prom Night. And okay. she is sick and can't go to the dance. And so, but apparently, like, Olivia Newton-John was like, I want to be in the dance and I want to show my dance skills. So her. she ends up going to the dance. And, but to replace that slow song, that was like Sandy's song, again, in a lot of productions now, she goes goes to the dance and they change it because of the movie. But yeah, originally, it was she like wasn't in Greece going. Live. There was a subplot where she wants to go to the dance, but her dad says she's not allowed. So the reason she Cha Cha takes over is because Sandy is afraid to be on camera because her dad will see and find out she snuck out to go to the dance, which I think is yeah. fun. I like Sandy being a little bit of a bad girl sneaking out. Yeah. Um. And so that slow song is taken out. So the song "Hopelessly Devoted to You" was added to the the That's movie. That's just for the movie. Yeah, so now oh. a lot of times it is included in the production oh. of it, but it was added, and it was actually nominated for a Grammy as a Best Original Song. It rocks. Not a Grammy. An not Oscar? Grammy. Oscar. Oscar, yeah. That rocks. Um, yeah, so that was added specifically for the movie. And again, like, there's a lot of, like, changed songs. I believe, like, there's supposed to be this, this song, like, um, Alone at the drive-in that song Mm -hmm. was switched to the song sandy so like there's a lot of different songs that weren't in like those magic changes is not like a whole song which is one of my favorite songs from the those magic changes is so good i've only heard the jordan fisher version and it's so cute that's all you need in your life though it's so good um so there is a lot of changes in the movie and now they've kind of molded all together to become what it is today um i feel like we're honestly imminent like, we're due for a Grease revival on Broadway. Because the last one was in the early 2000s with Laura Osnes. It was Laura Osnes's Broadway debut. Mm. Um, so I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if like, another one happens in, like, the next five, ten years. Oh, probably. Like, again, there are some scenes that are, like, pretty problematic. And, like, some of the things that they say. Um, 
but it is like a film of its time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like if you change some things, then you're taking rid of, like you're, you're ignoring that that was up. like a part of the of like culture and public perception at the time. Yeah, yeah. Because I think like there's been a thing when like Warner Brothers, I think like sometimes put in front of the films like we haven't changed it because getting rid of it would ignore the fact that this was problematic that it existed in the first place and we're acting like it was never a thing. Yeah, and so I think it's like good like I see like I two of the scenes that Olivia Newton-John has responded to recently is when Danny and Sandy are at the drive-in and he puts the moves on her and she is not interested and gets really mad and leaves and I I don't inherently have a problem with that scene because she leaves she gets really mad at him and it's like this is not what I wanted this is not what I expected stop Mm -hmm. and then gets out of the car so I'm like you go girl um, and then Danny has the song Sandy and has a big, you know, moony moment. And then the other yeah. scene is Vince Fontaine, who's just a huge creep and should be in prison. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Two things. Okay. First, the driving thing. I have a fun antidote, kind of. Um, I, I listened to this podcast called No Such Thing as a Fish. And they were talking about, like, the history of drive-in theaters. And apparently, there's, you know, in that song when he goes and there's a playground? Um mm-hmm. And, like, goes on the swings. The reason why I started making that is because they wanted parents to come to film. And um, so they could put their kids in the playground right in front of the screen. So still watch their kids and also watch the movie. But apparently the babysitters were, like, super upset because they were losing money. Because there was because <laughs> they weren't getting they paid to watch them. the kids because they were going to the drive-in theater. Um, and then I think what ended up happening is that the drive-in theater, like, gave like some discount to babysitters or something and it ended up working in the end anyway but fun fact for that um other one yes he is a grown-ass man i know these actors are also grown but their characters are not i did also look up is that like the actor the actor who plays vince fontaine is still like 45 so he's still like 15 younger 15 years older than the actors playing teenagers who are 30 which means he's like he's it's so creepy also the fact that i'm sorry i keep talking about grace live and we're trying to i'm trying to talk to people about the movie (laughs) but in grace live he's played by mario lopez who is also a real world creep and i was like i don't like that casting i don't want mario lopez on my screen there's the whole plot of, like, Marnie is, like, she has multiple boyfriends from, who are usually in the, serving in the military in some way, who are all grown men. And God, in the musical, she has, like, Marnie, a song about it and everything. Are you okay? Yes. And it is not okay. <laughs> okay, so Vince Fontaine is the host of a TV show where, like, if you haven't seen Grease, I guess for context, he's, like, he's, like, a, he's, like, a D-list celebrity. Get over yourself, yes. dude. fight Vince Fontaine in a Denny's parking lot there's no Denny's in my city I'm just gonna go to a Denny's and meet Vince Fontaine and fight him she this is a child stop um yeah so like some movie specific things that I did really like um Mm. are just like you you called it Reputation the musical. I'm like this is peer pressure the musical is what I have written down. <laughs> That's true, but it is so funny. Like I just can't get over what a sentimental dork Danny is, and I'm happy that he does get over himself at the end of the movie because he wants yeah. to be really sentimental. And I also like appreciate at the end when he shows up in his Letterman jacket. It's like I keep saying like it's a really big deal for him, and it's also a good moment of him saying to his friends like. We can still hang out. You, I don't need to be your leader. We can all do our own things. It'll be better for us. And I really, if I'm like, okay, good job, Danny. Um, and I just really like the scene 
there's a scene after she they initially re- reunite and he's a dick and then she starts going out with a football player I'm sidetracking again. It is also one of my favorite things that makes me laugh so hard whenever a movie is set in a high school and they make a a huge deal out of the school sports team and the sports team is terrible. Like, it's the same thing in Bring It On. Like, the football team Mm. in Bring It On is just atrocious and it's the same thing here where they're like, our seven-year losing streak. Maybe this year's (laughs) the year we'll do it. And then it just, like, cuts to a football player tripping on his helmet. I just sat everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And so I I really enjoy Sandy going on a date with this football player that she clearly doesn't really care about. And Danny does the most bananas loop of he's like, hi friends, I'm going to go get another drink or go to the bathroom or whatever. And then walks all the way around the restaurant to the other (laughs) side so he can sneak next to Sandy. And she just watches him do it and knows immediately what he's doing. And they just have a very... Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta have a very sweet chemistry where she's giving him the cold shoulder. And I think I talk about this so many times in whenever it's a dynamic, whenever there's a romance it's something we're talking about, what I really like about it is that they love each other and they like each other. They like, yes. like they show up and they both have fun kind of teasing the other football player and she has no problem ribbing him and he takes it and they just have a very easygoing yeah, and, like, that scene when they kind of reunite and she sees, no, and Danny sees Sandy with the football player and he's, like, running track and he's like, I'm going to do hurdles now. And he just, like, keeps going and then falls and she's like, oh, no, and goes and helps him. And then they kind of, like, um, make up and then they, like, start making fun of the, the football player right away. And it's just so cute. Jocks deserve to be uh, impressed a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also, I just love the scene of him trying to learn sports. It's just so good. Coach Calhoun is too yelly. He's actually a very good teacher. Yeah, he's like, oh, he like, he he like throws something. Maybe he's more of a thrower. Oh, maybe he's more of a hitter. Danny shows up smoking in sunglasses inside wearing jeans and a leather jacket. And I really, one of my favorite lines of dialogue is you need to change. Danny says, yeah, that's what I'm here trying to do. Which A, is so sweet on Danny's behalf. I'm trying to change to impress my kind of girlfriend. And Coach Calhoun is like, no, you just need to get changed because you cannot run in jeans. (laughs) You will die. Oh, it's so funny. And the, the anger between like, the jocks and the like greasers is so funny because the greasers are like, oh, those guys are all athletic and they don't care about how they look like. It's like, dude, do you not look at yourself in the mirror every day? Like, exactly. You're oh, insane. he's so vain. Buddy, buddy, you have a comb in your hand right now, bro. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, yes, appreciate yourself. Be confident in yourself. Like, you should do that. And I like, love the montage of Danny trying all these different sports and Coach Calhoun is like, okay. You're not good at this, but let's try no contact. Oh, you want to fight? Well, let's try wrestling. Okay, let's try. Okay, also, Danny tries baseball, and all of the other baseball team members are heckling him. And I made the note that um, the the catcher saying to Danny he doesn't even swing is bisexual Danny Zuko experiencing a microaggression. Yes! Yes! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my I just like when he tries to play basketball and he just like starts beating people up and it just starts running with the ball. Me playing sports. <laughs> and uh, people who aren't 
can't see me because that would be weird. It's a podcast. I'm currently wearing a BC Lions <laughs> jersey because I'm a big sports fan and we're filming on the Super Bowl, even though I'm a CFL fan that's NFL. Anywho, sports. I love sports. So seeing him try all these sports and like trying his best and it just makes me very happy. And again, like he got Letterman. Like that's like a big that's deal. That's a big deal. He did really well. Also impressive, but because he was doing it secretly because he didn't want to tell Sandy until he was good at it understandable yes. who hasn't been there <laughs> no one's allowed to know i'm learning a new skill until i'm successful at it and he didn't tell his yeah. friends because he didn't he thought they would make fun of him which they would have um so he was doing it in secret the whole year good job danny zuko good job i'm sorry you had to keep it a secret but i'm very proud of you kind of speaking of like secrets i love frenchie so much <gasps> I love Frenchie, and, and I, I watched it twice. My first note both times is, Frenchie's great. She's such a good friend, and she's working yeah. so hard. She is just, like, trying her best. She's welcoming, and she's excited, and, like, she brings Sandy in, and she um she wants to be a beautician, and she goes, and she's not good at it, and then she's like, oh, no, but I don't think she's not good at it. I think she just made, like, a mistake. Because, like, she is the one who helps transform Sandy at the end. Which so, like, is she's good. Something I really like, yeah. Because, so, Frenchie and Sandy are the first, like, is, Frenchie's the first friend that Sandy makes at Rydell. And she brings Sandy yeah. into the Pink Ladies. And she's just really excited. And they're just really supportive of each other. Like, okay, you, everyone else can have their, their Sandy Rizzo. Give me the Sandy Frencho because, Frencho, Frenchie, because they're really <laughs> cute. And, like, Sandy, like, they're doing the drag race and Sandy's having her whole epiphany. And I love that Frenchie leaves everyone celebrating because she sees Sandy sitting by herself and is like, okay, I yeah. need to go tell Sandy what happened. And Sandy knows that Frenchie wants to drop out of beauty school again and says, I want to do a makeover. How about you help me? It's really oh. nice. It's so nice. And like with, if Frenchie wasn't there, I feel like the whole, like the group dynamic would be like, lowered for like compassion and it would just, be like, way much more cancerous because yes. it's okay to have one person in your friend group who's the mean friend i think it gets yeah. balanced every friend group should have a little <laughs> bit of spice but it, then if frenchie's not there it goes from people who enjoy spending time together and are kind of snarky to people just dumping on each other and that's not fun exactly exactly I love Frenchie, and I just like her voice. I just also just love everyone's voice in this film because it's they have that, like, old-school voice when it seems like it's all voiceover. Like, it doesn't feel like it matches, but it does match. And, like, their singing voices are just so beautiful. And I love how, like, John Travolta's voice can be, like... Like, in Grease Lightning, it's so low for, like, no reason, but then all of a sudden it goes, like, super high. And I'm like, dude, he's got the vocal range. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I really like their singing voices and I think that like their voices go together perfectly and I'm just a sucker for a musical. I love music. Musics. Musicals. <laughs> I love musicals so much. One thing I really like about this musical too is that they, they do have group numbers 
Yes. Um, but a lot of their group numbers are more centered around dancing than songs, like when they're yes. at the at, when they're at the dance. And so the big biggest group number is we go together at the very end. But a lot of the music musical numbers are the best known ones are solos, and it's very introspective. And I think one thing that's really successful about the movie, and I don't know if this is if it's just a movie thing, which I I get, I'm assuming that it is, is that this is a very rare movie musical that includes music from the era that's not from the musical. So they're playing mm. La Bamba at the diner and I think Hound Dog at the dance. So they're playing songs that these kids would have been listening to, which I think really elevates the solos because you really get the sense that it's not just that this is a this world is a musical, it's that the musical numbers are these adult teens processing their feelings and this is their inner monologue and they're really putting a lot of thought into it. Yeah. That's I I I didn't think about it that way, but definitely like the music is an important aspect to the plot in a way of like so dancing and how important music is to building you up the as world. Yeah, and it's important how por- important it is to you as a youth mm-hmm. is music and like bringing that all in and like combining that with it being a musical at the same time is really important. Um, the day they filmed the Look at Me, I'm Sandra D. Um, it was kind of like a weird day on set because there's like the line about Elvis in it. Mm-hmm. And that was, they filmed it on the day that it was like Elvis died. Oh my God. That's so weird. That would be a very weird vibe on set. Yes. Oh man. Very weird. Another Sandy moment I really like is when she comes in after Rizzo is singing this song and immediately calls Rizzo out for being mean to her and is just says, yes. you're making fun of me. And it's. It would have been very easy to just ignore it. And she does actually say something. Go, Sandy. Yeah. And Rizzo is going through some shit. Um, but I also like the song, There Are Worse Things I Could Do, is such a humbling song mm-hmm. of, like, again, like, peer pressure or hiding or your reputation. And, like, she's, like, pretty much her and Sandy are going through a very similar path of, like, what am I perceived as and what my internal thoughts are and like Rizzo's like these are all like I can cry I can do these things and then Sandy's gonna be like I can be like powerful and stuff too and like it's and because I think the reason because they're so similar and like a deep level that's why they clash so much I've never thought of Rizzo as a mirror for Sandy and it's really obvious actually of they're both going through this is what people think of me and it's not wrong but I don't want that to be the only thing they know me for exactly oh my god yeah Bah, bah, bah. yeah and so like a little bit that not the plot specifically but this movie to no surprise to anyone did really well at the box office um at the time it was the highest grossing musical film ever at the time which is really exciting um and it was um uh, the budget of the film was six million dollars and it uh, at the box office it got 366.2 million. oh my god yeah wow um and it was number two opening weekend. So it didn't win its opening weekend. Do you know what won it? It's bizarre. I don't know what else came out in 1978. Jaws 2. Oh, Jaws! Yo! <laughs> Stinky. I yes. know why Jaws 2 was number one. I imagine it wasn't number one the next week. <laughs> no, it was No, 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 no. Uh, another interesting thing is that in 2020, it's 2020, um, it was added to one of our favorite things, the National Film Registry. Hey, nice! This is historically, culturally, and aesthetically significant. 
Exactly. I feel like, yeah, this is long overdue. I was surprised surprised. it took until last year for it to be added. But yeah, it was one of the ones added, which is very exciting. Nice. Um, I would be interested to see actually how Grease did on the box office last year. Because last year, it was only drive-ins that were open all summer. And I will Mm. say actually, from my now personal drive-in experience, you will be tempted to kick it back in the back seat and like pop the trunk and sit in the trunk, don't do it. There is no back support. You will die. Just sit in the front of your car. <laughs> the leg room is not as good, but do it for your back. But because I know last October, Hocus Pocus was number one in the box office because people were showing it at drive-ins and there were no new movies ah. coming out. And I know, at least in the GTA, that a huge amount of the drive-ins here, we don't have a ton of drive-ins, but of the like three drive-ins in the GTA, all of them mm. were showing Grace at some point this summer. So I'm wondering if other places were doing that too and how Grace did the box office in 2020. One day I'd like to go to a drive-in. I've never gone to an actual one. The only one I've ever quote-unquote gone to is the sci-fi diner in hollywood studios <laughs> so it's not really a drive-in it's a walk-up one but it's still fun i mean you get to sit in cars i okay you so you, cars. you'll come visit me yeah. and i will have to rent a car because i don't have a car and we will go to the drive-in yeah. in oakville um yes, and yes, i will be yes. really exciting because hopefully at this time the concession stand will be open because it wasn't because of covid when we went and so we ordered Domino's, which is fine but it was not the same um also did you know that there there is uh, a grease spinoff in the production right now I did not know Suspicious that, and I'm skeptical. What do you mean a spinoff? Um, What's happening there? Is it the CW? So we, I don't I, trust them. No, it's not the CW. <laughs> <laughs> you don't trust it because you know so much about it. That's what you know. <laughs> like, as soon as you know. Okay, it's a Paramount Plus, like, TV series okay. in the works called Rise of the Pink Ladies. Is it a prequel? I don't know. <laughs> I've seen Grease 2. I have not seen Grease 2. It's honestly an okay time. It tanked at the box office. It's fun. Uh-huh. It's it's even, uh, dare I say, hornier than this movie is. Um, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer is there. Mm, um, mm. That is, there's, she's technically a pink lady. That is the only connection there is to Grease. Um, I'm interested. Paramount, what are you doing? <laughs> I think it was supposed to be with HBO and then they dropped it and so the Paramount Plus, whatever the hell that is. They're trying something. Picked it up. Um Anywho, do you have any last thoughts okay, about Grease the me, Musical? Let me go through Not I, Grease the Musical, Grease the Movie. Grease musical. the movie. I just okay, I, I I just really enjoyed this. Of all of the movies we've done, this is the one I'm gonna rewatch the most. I can I, oh, actually I okay. Yeah. I don't know if I'll rewatch this. I feel like I will ultimately go back to Grease Live because I love the cast of Grease Live from 2016. Mm. Um, I think they're great. Uh, but this really was if we're talking about reputation, I really was resistant to Grease for a long time because I thought it was dated, and I think there is just it's very special to realize, no, this can still have a place in your heart and it's better than you think it's going to be. And my roommate, I was watching Grease, and she came in, and I was like, and I had to pause it. And she's like, you can't play. And I was like, no, because we were talking. And I was like, well, no, I've never seen this before. And she was so shocked. She came in, and she's like, well, I just assumed you were doing a comfort watch. And I was like, no, I've never seen the movie. And it's, I'm really happy I did, and I realized that it actually is comforting. The music is great. It's definitely representative of musicals at that time. So it's fu- a fun place mm. in movie history, in musical history. Um, I have a couple other notes. Let me just blitz through them really quickly of, like, little observations I really liked. I think of all of the dresses, 
at the dance. I think Jan had the cutest dress. It's got a really, she's got a really cute, like, tea silhouette, like, sheer overlay. Mm. It's really nice. Um, I like Cha-Cha, actually. I like Cha-Cha, who just really wants to dance. Cha-Cha doesn't try to put the moves yes. on Danny. I also like that there's no conflict between Sandy and Danny that he ends up dancing with Cha-Cha. She, she leaves the dance, but that's not why they, they don't ever have a fight about it. And Cha-Cha never tries to hit on Danny. She just wants to be on TV. Good for her. Um, yeah. I love their Miss Murdoch, their teacher. They're like, what class is it? Garage class? Car oh, class? Yeah. Yeah. Who takes them drag racing? She's really fun. Um, John Travolta has this one micro expression uh, when Kaniki first shows up in the car, and it's a total jalopy bunk beater. And the other guys are razzing him for it. And Danny just says this face where he doesn't say anything. I don't even know how to describe it. It was just like, I was like, is this the best acting Don Travolta's ever done? Where he's <laughs> really proud of Kinnicky for getting this car, really excited to start help Kinnicky work on this car, wants to defend him. I don't know. It's just this face Don Travolta does, and it was really moving. It was like blanking your oh! expression, Russ. Really. Oh, oh. Um, and. I think that uh, Blanche, the secretary at the school, and <gasps> Miss McGee, the principal, are a couple. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! That's not where I thought you were going with it. I thought you were just going to. I love Blanche so much. I She's love Blanche. Best, I think yes. her and Miss McGee are a couple. I think they're yeah. I could see that. Um, also, just the 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 first time you see Danny post the prologue where they say his name and you just see his hair and then he turns around and he's got a cigarette dangling and then it yep. zooms in on his face. That is an iconic shot. John Travolta does not yes. work for me, but that is an iconic shot. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. The uh, cinematography is great. Okay, they also do it, they do it again in Look at Me, I'm Sandra D when it's Rizzo and she just turns and looks directly into your soul in a blonde wig and I was like, hello, stalker Channing. <laughs> Um, it's really good. I, I, again, Frenchie's a great character. We didn't even talk about Beauty School Dropout, but she's going to pursue her mm. goals. She's figuring things out. Um, one last thought is I, I don't think what I'm about to, what I'm about to recommend is a great movie. There was a remake of the 80s movie Valley Girl, which is kind of a similar plot of like, girl from Beverly Hills falls in love with a punk rocker from like, a sketchy, a dodgy part of L.A., mm. And they fall in love. And they remade... It was just a movie with Nicolas Cage in the 80s. And they remade it, and it came out last year. And they added in a subplot of, like... It's still set in the 80s, but the girl is now an adult, narrating, telling her teenage daughter about her first love, because her teenage daughter has just broken up with her boyfriend, so she's, like, narrating the story. And the movie ends, and her daughter is saying... You know, like, is this, did this really happen to you? What happened? And she, the, I don't remember what the mom's character's name is, even. It was Alicia Silverstone was the actress. And she says, yeah, like, I loved Ricky mm. a lot. He was in a band. I ended up touring with him. But then, he, and he's always going to be my first love. But then we broke up, and I met your dad, and I love him more. And I, I feel like that for Sandy and Danny. I don't think they're going to stay together. They're 17. Mm. And even in the last musical, we'll always be, like, we'll always be together everyone's like we're gonna be friends forever it's gonna be great we have the whole summer and they're not gonna be and that's okay because they're just they're teens and they're gonna figure it out it made me very i am always emotional to just like being kinder to your younger self and i look so i I look forward to what the t-birds accomplish with their lives it'll be (laughs) something yeah 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 um oh oh before i forget this means nothing but anything we've ever said there's a scene when eugene says 
I got astigmatism and I couldn't stop laughing because it reminded me of you. <laughs> Anywho, continue. <laughs> I do have astigmatism. <laughs> I'm like Velma. I lost my glasses the other day because I took them off and I really was just stumbling around on my living room floor for like five minutes <laughs> pawing around for them. <sighs> um, Sandy's very funny. Coach Calhoun's a good teacher, actually. Um, tell me about it, stud. Also iconic. And at the end of... You're the one that I want? You're the one that I want. Um, at one point... Sandy jumps into Danny's arms, and I think that was very fun. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun movie, and it's a fun musical, and I feel like culturally is very important. And it again, it's just like a comfort thing and fun to watch. And if you haven't seen it, and you know about it, and you feel like you. You oh I've seen this about it. I've seen this I don't need to see it you need to see it like you're saying the little micro acting just makes the film so fun like go find a version of Grace to watch it's, yeah. it's a good time I act I like the movie way more than I thought I was going to I I think of all of the things we have watched in the past year this might be my favorite maybe it's just because I watched it <laughs> twice in the span of a week but it was I really I really delighted. <laughs> Activity time! Are you ready for an activity? I need to get one of Blanche's little xylophones so we can have a transition sound. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, yes. Okay. So, here's something we didn't talk about yet, but this is going to involve the activity. So, this movie um, has some very passionate fans who have theories about it. And you texted me this? I don't know what <laughs> theories people have about Grace. I'm concerned. Well, I always enjoy, like... And promote fans theorizing or coming up with different ideas because I feel like it really connects the audience and connects the consumers with the product and makes them think about it longer than just what it is, like the hour and a half of the film. They actually continuously think about it. I am going to read that Sandy Rizzo fic later. Like, I enjoy fan works. Exactly. Um, So there's two kind of combined theories of this movie one is at the end of the movie and the car is flying (laughs) so there's a couple of things about this one some people are like what does this mean because you were talking about the mechanics teacher when she said oh if it ran any butter it would fly so maybe people are thinking is this in representation of it like just that like they're finally had their happy ending and they're flying off into their future and it's great some people are thinking oh like is this about um like, are people imagining, like, going back and just thinking about high school? And this is kind of how they envision high school. Because in the musical, it actually is, it starts with the reunion of everyone. And then they go back in time. So maybe this is supposed to kind of represent that. Oh. Um, another more morbid one is that, did they drive off and get in a car accident and die? I hate that. That is one of my least favorite things. It's also, like, the Ferris Bueller theory where Ferris Bu- Cameron is imagining Ferris Bueller. And he's, like, Cameron's imagining a friend. I... Okay. freaking hate that theory so much. Stop making yes. everything grim. Again, the other theory is that Sandy is actually dead. Again, same thing with Ferris Bueller. That she's a there ghost? Is a very, 
passionate group of people that think that Sandy is actually not alive. In the beginning of the movie, he says, I helped her, like, she almost drowned and I saved her life. And there's theories that, like, he actually didn't save her life. So, there's many theories about (sighs) movies and, like, (sighs) so many different things. And it's... I always find it fascinating when people have these ideas. Like, there's... I'll get into a thing I'm going to share, but there's, like, a theory in, like, Up of, like, how Russell is actually an angel and the whole thing of like, I'm, I'm helping you cross the street. I'm helping you cross over. I hate and- that. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know. Get I, over yeah, yourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. And, but I just love how people's brains work and how people find connections between things oh. and, um, how things can like, not only like promote fanfic or like AUs and, um, like head cannons, but also, especially when movies are, like, this old and, like, theories just, like, continue to, like, percolate over time and people just become so passionate about it. Uh, my question for you, Emma, is do you have any uh, movie theories or, like, headcanons or um, yes. speculations from films that you've watched that are some of your favorite? Again, not as morbid as the ones I just shared, but, like, yes. what so are your I, favorite I, I do. I, I have... It took me a while to come up with one because I was like, I all of the theories that I currently generate are related to a certain program that I have talked a lot about. And I was like, <laughs> I was going to be vague. I mean, everyone would know. It's fine. It's fine. But I was like, okay. So I think I've actually told you about this one before, but I wanted mm. to talk a little bit about the Tommy Westphal te- television universe. Okay. So, okay. So I, do you remember the TV channel TV Tropolis? No. Okay, TV Topless was, I think, like, a cable channel, um, I mean, it probably still exists, that showed, when I was growing up, a lot of shows from the 80s, um, okay. and I would watch a lot of them. So I watched a lot of Remington Steel, Magnum P.I., and sometimes, because I also, in middle school, loved Denzel Washington. Nothing wrong with that, I just don't know why I was so attached to Denzel Washington. Mm. He is one of the greatest actors of all time. I stand by this statement, truly one <laughs> of the greatest. Um, but I watched some of St. Elsewhere which was his kind of breakthrough role. It was a medical procedural show that ran in the, like, early to mid-80s for six years, I think. And it's now best known for its finale, where one of the doctors, Dr. Westfall, has a son named Tommy who is autistic. And in the series finale, you see Dr. Westfall not in, like, his doctor's coat he's dressed as a construction worker and is talking to another character about how he doesn't know how to connect with his son because his son is nonverbal. and then it cuts to the son who has a snow globe and then it zooms in on the snow globe and inside the snow globe is the hospital so it implies that the show that you've been watching for six years isn't real and it's all been happening inside tommy's mind oh but the thing about this is that Alfred Woodard is also on St. Elsewhere, uh, another great actress. I can't remember her character's name. And then a few years later, uh, the showrunner of St. Elsewhere went on to also run a cop show called Homicide Life on the Street. And Alfred Woodard appeared in Homicide as the same character she played in St. Elsewhere, which means, okay, if St. Elsewhere is all inside Tommy's mind, is Homicide also all in Tommy's mind? Oh. But another thing is that there's a character on Homicide named Detective John Munch. Detective D- John Munch, the actor as the same character, 
went on to be a series regular on Law and Order SVU, which crosses over with all the other Law and Orders. So does oh. that mean that all the Law and Orders are also happening in Tommy's mind? John Munch also appeared in the HBO TV series as John Munch in the in the Wire. He also appeared as John Munch in the X Files. Interviewing oh the lone gunman in the X Files. There's a main character named the Cigarette Smoking Man who smokes a fictional brand of cigarettes called Morley cigarettes. They're not real, but they have since become a popular fake brand of cigarettes that also appears in things like Buffy and Twenty Four, and also mm-hmm. in the X Files, Mulder and Scully, as played by Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny, appear in The Simpsons playing Mulder and Scully, and so like people have connected. Just through actors and like actors and characters crossing over. Also in Saint Elsewhere, at one point, the characters in Saint Elsewhere go to Cheers, the bar from Cheers, which means like it's also connected to Cheers and to Frasier, and it's just like people have connected into oh over four hundred shows. I love this. And even yes. the, even the the creator of Saint Elsewhere was like, we weren't trying to create a grand conspiracy of like how television <laughs> shows are connected. I bet I could find a way to connect it to Supernatural if I wanted to. Because Supernatural <laughs> itself, like, crosses over with Scooby-Doo and crosses over... Mm. Supernatural's gonna be... We won't get into it. We can't go down that path. We don't have time. But it's just... <laughs> it's so fun to realize. I think a lot about how you watch a TV show and in your brain you know it exists in the same... Like, you're like, oh, this exists in my world. But even I was watching Teenage Bounty Hunters recently. And Teenage Bounty Hunters is set in 2020 but was filmed in 2019. So it's taking place in the school year of 2020... But there's no pandemic, so Teenage Bounty Hunters now takes place in an alternate 2020. Anyways, but like the Tommy Westfall television universe universe is fascinating. Yes. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. I gotta send you the map. It's unhinged. Like people have spent probably like weeks of their lives pinning everything together. Oh, this fits perfectly on the thing that I'm going to share. Okay, lay it on me. I'm so excited. I love love theories. I love larger universes. I love love saying it's all connected. I love Pepe Silviaing it. So, the Pixar theory. The Pixar theory is that all the Pixar films are set in the same universe. And on a set timeline. Oh. Oh. So people have put in order exactly when each film would chronologically take place in the Pixar theory, starting with Brave and ending with Monsters, Inc. So, okay. <laughs> your, your, your brain... <laughs> she text, Okay, you texted me, you were like, I want you to bring your favorite fan, fan theory, I'm bringing the Pixar theory, and I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Which is bizarre, because I've watched so many YouTube videos and things, every time a new Pixar film comes out, people are like, okay, how does it fit into the timeline? How does okay, it fit into the you're saying things that take place in the same world, that makes sense to me. You think there's a timeline? Tell me more. Okay, so it starts with Brave. Okay. And um, it starts with, like, Merida discovering, like, the Will of the Wisps and, like, the magic and all that stuff. And she meets this witch who uses magical doors to travel. Monsters, Inc. Um, anywho, so what it is is that it goes from, like brave and how the magic and people getting powers from magic goes to the Incredibles with humans getting magical abilities, um, human power in the Incredibles. You have syndrome who like makes these powerful machines and, um, starts to like slowly EI and all that stuff changes into toy story with toys becoming sentient and having these abilities and being this able to work. Yeah, that just ran, that chill just ran up my spine. <laughs> Ability to move and like objects working and stuff. And then um, with 
um, they start to see like humans, like, um, like this whole connection of like pollution is like an ongoing theory throughout the entire thing of like in finding Nemo, the animals are becoming more sentient and noticing pollution going on in the earth. Ratatouille, he's getting more sentient. Now it's like they're not just communicating together. They've been able to communicate with humans. And then and Toy Story 3, they finally like they want to rebel against the humans and everything is going to be better and work great. And up they go and these animals are having ways to communicate and look and the environment of humans developing different um, ongoing things. Like that's why Carl has to move because they're building so many things. And it oh, and so the technology of things being able to speak, there's a war that happens against machines and humans and then cars oh. become a thing. Humans have to leave because we keep polluting the earth. And then so Wally has to save it. The plant that Wally plants in the ground is the tree from ants, not ants, from a bug's life. I went to a wrong universe to the bug's life. If you look in the bug's life, there's a boot and that's how it shows the tree growing. That's the boot that Wally brings and plants in the ground. And then so the, because there's oh so much God. radiation and stuff in the world, um, the monsters and mutations start to be created. So Monsters University is like, because it's a prequel, starts happening. And then um, humans eventually go away, but then they realize humans are the reason that the Earth um, can live, and that's the energy. So in Monsters, Inc., they have to use these doors to go back in time to get energy from humans' laughter to make it go. And then the whole connection to all of this is Boo, who is the girl that they bring back, and she wants to discover where her friends are, where, like, uh, Mike and Sully are. So she starts to learn about these doors and time travel and then that comes all the way back to the witch in Brave who uses doors to ta to like move and change places and go everywhere. And <laughs> so the Pixar theory, I think it's very complicated. Every time a new movie comes out, they have to slot it in and figure it out. Emma's face is amazing right now. Her, her jaw is agape. It's great. And like, I think a big thing for this is because Pixar also has a way of like putting Easter eggs in all their films and like referencing things. So like in Brave, um, the witch in Brave has um, like a carving of like um, Sully. And so that's kind of connects her. Like how would she have known about that? Going back to Boo, also there's the whole company of B&L. So Big and Large is like um, an ongoing thing throughout the entire um, universe in Pixar. It's like a company, but... So that's kind of been intertwined within of like this big and large, this big tech company. And I started taking over and over. And then in Wally, -E, like they're the things in the background of these big tech companies that are abandoned now, but they have polluted the earth. It just, the Pixar theory is fascinating to me. And it's just, and again, like if you look at, um, like they, they always have the, um, like the rocket ship cars in every single Pixar movie. And the theory of that is that, um, so the witch is trying to go back and try to find, um, she's time traveling using the doors that they do in Monsters, Inc. This is all a theory, of course, um, that, um, she keeps not being at the same place. So she keeps leaving Easter eggs and all the other timelines because she can't find the correct timeline yet to find her monster friends. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. That is a brief history of the Pixar theory. What are your thoughts, feelings, and emotions about that, Emma? You said that a bug's life is set in the future and I felt like my nose was going to start bleeding. Yeah. Yeah. So like, again, like everyone's theories are different. Like I think I'm looking at one website that's the pixartheory.com, which is based off of a different article, but like, so brave is a 14th, 15th century. So the witch um, in brave is boo. 
is yes, like the that's crux the of this theory. Okay, I, I'm yes. really into that. I'm, I'm, I'm really into this. Please send me this timeline because I like that. I yes. like the idea of her being this unmoored from time and space being who just loves science and her monster bestie and yes. explores. Yes. And so like everything, as, as far as I can see, up to about up, so until 2016, after that, Cars, Wally, Ants, not ants. Jesus, Jenny, that's the knockoff version of Bugs Life. Why I keep saying ants? <laughs> how does cars fit into this? Because I Let's see what it says. I'm thinking about um, how the Pope is the Pope mobile and has a Pope mobile in cars. So he sits um, inside a bigger But you car. don't see any humans in it, though, right? The, the Pope car Jesus is the die car. If, if if car Catholicism exists, it implies that there was a car Jesus, or there is at least the figure uh, so of a is, car Jesus. Okay, this is what they say is like. Because the whole, like, rise up against, like, humans and, um, animals. It's Terminator. Um, when animals rose, this is what they say. When animals rose up against the humans to stop the pollution, the machines saved the humans and they won the war. However, since machines helped humans win, it tipped the balance on Earth. Machines B and L, the company, had to send the remaining humans off to space on the ship, which is in Wally. All of the other machines were left behind to populate the world and run things, but... How do we know the cars took over and not the so other? So our Earth has cars on it, and then humans have left Earth. Yes. So the, the, you start to see the development of human, I mean, machines gaining like intelligence in um, Incredibles when um, yeah. he makes that like droid, the almond droid. Yeah. Yeah. So you see that developing, and it's all about like consumerism and like they will help them. Yeah. Anywho. That's... I have one more thing. Yeah. Uh, this is not a fan theory as much as, like, a fan art I have seen. I also enjoy uh, the Kingdom of Disney and Pixar fans who have decided that in a non-Pixar timeline world, um, Boo and Lilu go to university and become roommates and best friends. Not Lilu. Oh, Lilo. Nice. <laughs> I know. Lilo, I know what you meant. I think Lilo, like, Lilo would bring Stitch and be like, yes, these are, these are my alien dads, my alien, like, not stepdads, my alien uncles. And yeah. they would just be like, cool, here's my best friend and his short friend. Who's <laughs> <laughs> an eye. Yes. I love that. I love when things go, are, like, connected and they... It's a good time. I'm going to look into this Pixar theory. That's good. Okay. You're that, welcome. That, that, Sorry... I tried to keep me. this under an hour, but then I got too passionate about the Pixar theory and just went on a rant for a while. But thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. That is all we have to say for this week. Now I'm going to wrap it up so quickly and efficiently and professionally. Let's go, girls. Bum, 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 nah, nah, nah. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Hi Ho Podcast or on Tumblr at Hi Ho Podcast at Tumblr.com. You can also email us at Hi Ho Podcast at Gmail.com or find us at Spotify at Guess Where. Uh, we post po- uh, playlists <laughs> once a month on our Twitter. Uh, because we talk about movies most of the time, but it, we want it to be a pop culture podcast. We want to share all the things that we love. Um, so this month, uh, this episode will be coming out in either late February or early March. So you'll either be getting love songs or a theme that's Toby determined. Yes, exactly. I think this one will be coming out. Oh, be coming out um, in February. So it'll still be the love song one, which I am really proud of. This playlist. It's I just one of our. Think ba- it's good. good. We've got a good vibe, and it's because we love love, and we love you for listening. Yeah. Yes, and um, remember to like what you like. Your opinion is valid. As long as it's the same as mine. Bye, Emma. (laughs) Bye.